these kids. You are listening to the SDSU Basketball Podcast, hosted by Austin Tark and co-hosted with Paul Garrison, brought to you by the East Village Times. Hello, everyone. Today, we're joined by Tristan Broughton. Tristan, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Doing very good. Well, thank Uh, you. Tristan is a sophomore guard at SDSU, and he may be known for having his twin brother, Tyler, on the team. Uh, But today, we're looking to learn everything about Tristan. It's the Tristan Show, and we're trying to learn everything about who he is as a person. So with that, we'll start start with the first question. Um, With Cade, we brought up the Creighton loss right away, and we're just going to ignore that and go right right into uh, who you are as an athlete and your time at SDSU. Um, So millions of kids around the world, they aspire to be a Division I athlete. You've achieved this desire, albeit maybe a little bit of a less conventional path. Um, how much satisfaction do you take being a member as of one of the top programs in America? Uh, I take a lot of pride in it. Uh, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, a lot of persistence that went into it. Um, like you said, it wasn't the route that a lot of these players on these teams take. Um, so, yeah, I take a lot of pride in it being able to make the accomplishment that I did so far. Now you're on the team with your twin brother. Um, what, what is that like? Uh, you know, it's like having family around at all times. You know what I mean? I, I feel like growing up, it's only been my mother and my brother and I. So having him is like having almost over half my family with me wherever I go. So mm. it's good to have someone to talk to, uh, someone who understands you uh, and is going through the same things with you. It just makes it a little easier. Okay, so now we intend to have Tyler on this, but you get first crack. Who's the better basketball player? You already know who it is, Tristan, <laughs> all day. <laughs> now, will Tyler say that? He, he got the jumps. He got hops. I'll give him that. But other than that, I mean, shoot, I'm right there with him. Uh-huh. Being him every time. And growing up, was the goal always to play basketball together or always to be go to the same college together? Yeah, you know, that was a dream. I, I feel like it would always be cool to see twins on the court hooping with each other. We have that connection. And so that was always a dream growing up, obviously, the NBA as a child. And so still goal chasing and seeing where I can go, how far I can achieve. But, yeah, it's always been a dream to play with him. Now, you're a true scholar athlete. Majoring in business, you were a valedictorian of your high school. Now, for older fans um, or people even like me, when I graduated from state, we wouldn't have gotten in. If uh, if the same requirements were like they are today, man. So just for some of the older fans who may not get like just the progress the school has made academically, you know, over the last couple of decades, man, why would a valedictorian choose SDSU from all of the schools that you could have went to? Um, a couple of reasons that factor into that. One of them, um, family. Family is really big to me. My mom is paralyzed and she's single. And so I wanted to be able to stay close to her. Uh, be able to drive home, help her whenever she needs help, whether that be with the house, errands, work issues, anything like that. So uh, being able to be a helping hand, but yet still be far away from home, you know what I mean, in San Diego compared to Orange County, 
Uh, it's different, but still same place. Uh, second reason was because of San Diego. I wanted to stay on the West Coast um, by the beach, great weather. I live born, born and raised in Cali, so I can't leave. Um, but yeah, and then the basketball team, the basketball team, the presence, the colors, everything about San Diego State. I'm a business major, so I thought it's a pretty good excelling business school. Um, and then, yeah, that stadium, I mean, come on, Viejas is crazy. Uh, and then who doesn't like black, red, and white, right? Best colors the team could have. <laughs> Coach Dutch, one of the best coaches, best coach I've ever had. I think one of the best coaches in college basketball. Um, so, yeah, just it was a perfect opportunity. And I decided that I'm going to go get what I want. And thank God I did. So getting on the team to SDSU, tell us a little bit about that story. Two seasons ago, open tryouts, you and Tyler, you show up and you compete in a small group. You do drills in front of the coaching staff and you hope to potentially make the roster. You, of course, made the cut. But just tell us a little bit, what was that process like? Uh, the beforehand process, I wasn't on the team. So going to school um, away from San Diego, right when summer ended, uh, tryouts that year, for some reason, I don't know why, but we're late. I want to say October or something. Um, and so that whole time from summer to October, you know, I'm not at home. I'm not training. And so I had to really, I don't have SDSU basketball. I don't have their facilities yet. Um, and so I really had to focus on just, again, having my brother there was huge help. Uh, but, you know, going to the arc, going to run on the treadmill, running around San Diego, whatever it was, stay in shape, stay dialed in, um, you know, because that was one of the biggest performances that I had to do um, in basketball. You know what I mean? I decided to go to the school. I was enrolled. I was paying. I was already in debt. And so I said, I'm coming here for basketball. Like, this is this is huge. I have to make the team because it's what I came for. So. There's a lot on my head, especially going on uh, into college for the first time, too. Um, I'm a first graduate, so I had no one to really teach me the way, teach me the path. Um, and so it was just a lot to take in all at once, but stayed focused again with my brother there and mom close to home. It was pretty easy. I shouldn't say easy, but. I was going to say, wow, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> I, <shouldn't laughs> I, like, I think a lot easy, of people but... have tried to do. I appreciate the humility, but, man, it's it's pretty impressive. Um so tell us about the, are, is there any significance with you and your brother and your Jersey numbers, 42 and 24? Uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't initially planned to be that, but through the process of getting our jerseys, we retro our freshman year, so we didn't have one, but uh, getting into that process, we figured, you know, why not? That'd be a cool little mirage, two, four, four, two. And so I don't know how he got Kobe's number. That's definitely should be switched around, but you know, Hey, it works out. <laughs> you, you guys are Kobe fans though. Of course. Day okay. one. Okay, good. Um, can you tell us just a little bit? Uh, Kate gave some great examples and stories, but what life is like as a non-scholarship athlete on the team? Yeah, um, like you said, I'm 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 focused on academics a lot, and so I wouldn't say I'm hugely involved in you know partying and going around town and whatnot. But um, every once in a while, I do, but. I'm really just focused on the books and um, and also because I'm not on scholarship, I do side jobs, whether that's Uber, Instacart, um, anything where I can make money uh, to help my mom out. So I don't have to constantly ask her. She's already helped me with debt. You know what I mean? So constantly asking her for food or for rent or whatever it is, it hurts to ask. So um, I'm just trying to, you know, start that job life now while I'm playing basketball while in school. So it's hard to juggle it all, but. Um, luckily I'm not distracted by all the partying and all that stuff. So it makes it easier to manage. So, uh, what, how many stars do you have as an Uber driver? 
Five stars. You already know. Five stars. You, 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 you know, do you have a tag that people can find you? Do I have a tag? No, I don't. I wish. Work over that. We, as as Austin mentioned, man, we um, we you know, we spoke with Kate Alger about the importance of the scout team, and um, in the limited time that I've been able to see you in practice, I walked away really impressed by the effort that you all give in practice. Um, What are your goals? You know, when you go out there to practice and and you're doing your role with this team, my goal. I'm very competitive, I would like to say. So as much as my goal should be to help uh, help our teammates, obviously, be prepared for the game, um, I take a huge responsibility in wanting to prove to myself that I am just as much as a player as everyone else on this team and that I want and want to work for and accomplish the same goals that everyone else wants to accomplish on this team. And so um, at the same time, um, well, I'm not going through the drills going, you know, let me help you out, let me help you out. I'm going through those drills like I need to be the best scout player. I needed to be the best Bryce Williams. I need to be the best whoever it is um, on the court and prove to them that I have that skill to, you know, have the same opportunities and same desires. And that scout team, from everything that we hear from coaches, um, interviews, it's no joke. Um, You guys go through the absolute ringer. I would just, I'd love to hear, I mean, we do this podcast just because we we want to just really dig deep into the players and we, I'd love to just hear like, what's your, why your motivation? Uh, I mean, you're yet to score in your career. You've only appeared in seven games yet. You continue to show up, you grind and you do what it takes every day to help the team win. What, what fuels you? Um, what fuels me? That's a good question. Um, I feel like I'm just kind of wired this way. I was born this way, raised this way. My mom, uh, never quit. She's done so much for me. And so seeing that persistence in her, she's taught me uh, nothing can stop a man or a woman who will not quit. And so I kind of live by that. And I feel that I can accomplish whatever I put my mind to. Um, So whether that's basketball, I'm going to keep going to the end, whether that's school, I'm going to keep going until, you know, I'm stay a scholar athlete, get my, get my degree, whatever it is. Um, Yeah. It's that persistency in me that just wants to keep on going and not quit, wants to prove people wrong. You know, I've had a lot of people tell me, you're not going to play Division One. What, what are you thinking? Da, 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 da. Um, so I've had opportunities ripped away, away from me. And so it's that grit. It's that desire to want to prove people wrong. And it's the way I'm wired. So tell us a little bit more about your mother, uh, Tracy Rodden. Just, you know, what, what she has meant to your life. You talked about that she's a single mother, an entrepreneur. Um, you know, what inspiration does she bring to, to all of the stuff that you're talking about being able to go and get yours? Um, she's always taught me that with God by her side, um, she'd always make it work out. I always ask her, how do you do, how, how do you, how did you raise me in Orange County all by yourself? Right. How did you give me a car when I was 16? Um, how did you, how did you give me all, how did you always keep food in the house? And she would say, you know, I really don't know the answer. I just put my head down. I keep working and God produces miracles. And so that mindset that she just implanted in me and that mindset and that plan that I just watched just, again, just was equaled out into the way I was wired, the way I think and the way that I just had a perspective on life. You can only, you only get what you desire, what you deserve and what you work for. And then you hit on a little earlier, um, just the fact that she was paralyzed, 
Um, we, Paul and I read an article earlier um, that she ended up winning Miss America. Um, for people who don't know your mom's story, would you be willing to speak about her accident and her recovery? Uh, yeah, it goes way before her accident. Um, her mother died when she was around 18 of cancer and she had uh, three siblings. And so she, she was the oldest. She had to take care of all of them. And so that really taught her how to mature at an early young age. And so I think that she definitely put that on to me. Um, but past that, uh, growing up and raising her, raising her uh, siblings, she got in a car accident in high school. Um, and then she got another one in college where she was completely paralyzed, couldn't move her left side of her body, had to tie her shoes with her uh, shoelaces with her teeth, um, therapy three times a day. Um, they said to never walk again, never have kids. And again, that persistency of my mom, proving doctors wrong, whoever it is, uh, never let anyone tell you no. And so uh, had me, so we lived in our car. We were homeless when I was one, until I was about one. Um, again, persistency, persistency, persistency. Um, somehow moved out to Orange County, got a house, amazing school, amazing community. Um, and yeah, so I feel like I'm verging away from the accident, but um, yeah, 11 years in a wheelchair. Again, they said she never walked again. Uh, she went to two crutches. She's now down to one. Um, and I'm hoping and praying that she gets to eliminate both crutches. That was absolutely beautiful, man. Um, thank you for being willing to share that. Um, hard to transition to the next question. <laughs> um, you know, take us a little bit into, you know, those mo final moments when you get in the game, right? And um, I think there's more anticipation for you to score then, then maybe there is for that first bucket where everyone's standing and clapping their hands, waiting for that first score, you know, um, what, what, what is your mentality there about, you know, the urgency to get a shot up and score or how, how, do, how does that feel in that final moment where everybody is just kind of hanging on everything that you all do? Um, there's a lot of pressure. Um, I want to say, uh, going into the games, like you said, we're a top team in the nation. And so, um, the spread always matters. And so we always knew that. And so, um, and you don't want to go in there, just everyone had their head cut off going and try to get their own bucket. You know what I mean? That's not a good look. And so uh, as much as I am hungry to go get my own bucket, I'm also, uh, I don't want to look, I don't want to look stupid out there trying to make, trying to do things that shouldn't be done, just trying to get a bucket. You know what I mean? Um, and so I had that mentality to still play with my teammates and whatnot. Um, my mom tells me every day I need to be more aggressive. I need to be more aggressive. And so uh, I definitely think I need to take that into account. But um, it's not just I'm not going into the game just thinking, you know, let me just rim, put my head down and rim, rim rush to the bucket. You know what I mean? Or just knock down a three every time I catch the ball. Um, there's a mentality of, you know, I'm not on the court a lot. And this is a different experience that I've ever had. And I want to just try to, you know, play to that tier. Um, there's definitely a learning curve to it. Practice is practice, but I mean, there's no other practice like in a game. And so, um, you know, I'm just trying to use that practice to stay mature and, uh, you know, play focus, play right, and keep the spread high. <laughs> like it. Uh, so now you're going into your junior year. What basketball goals do you have in these next two years? And what's your goals for after college? Um, goals for basketball, um, obviously more minutes, more time, more opportunity. 
um, all I can do is put my head down to work and um, again, just be dialed in. So, but that, yeah, that's my goals. I want to go on the court. I want to produce. I want to make a name for myself for San Diego State. Um, I want to leave a legacy on the basketball team. Um, but yeah, so that's basketball. I, I feel like every player has that, but that's my true desire. And um, for school, school-wise, um, I'm studying business management with emphasis in entrepreneurship. Um, and so I dream to be a personal manager to some extent, whether that's for an athlete, celebrity, some sort of anything in that field, but um, some type of management position would be awesome out of college if my, if the ball stops, if the ball stops bouncing. Um, and yeah. Well, after everything you you just shared, I wouldn't bet against you, man. So what is it that you are uh, doing this off season to try to put your best foot forward to get that bigger role that you're talking about? Uh, just going to try to head home and already connected with my uh, coach uh, that's taught me everything I know pretty much since I was, what, five, Coach Henry Mercadell um, in Rancho Santa Margarita. So connecting with him, getting as many privates as, in as I can, um, gym with my brother as much as I can, whether that's outdoor, indoor, whatever opportunity I have. Um, and, yeah, just excel and grow. That's all you can do. So two years with the team now, you've made two NCAA tournaments. Last season, you had a packed VA House Arena. This is a difficult question, but can you pinpoint a favorite memory in your Aztec career? That's that's very hard. Um, favorite memory? Probably winning Mountain Rest Conference at home. Um, it was my freshman year redshirt, so I wasn't um, suited up or anything, but still that experience um i was with malachi flynn and um all those guys that experience is crazy the gyms were finally getting packed again for since i don't know they haven't been that packed i think that was the first year they've been packed since it's been packed like that since Kawhi. so having that uh that whole year was crazy uh having the whole Kawhi and little clippers come out and visit that one game so but definitely that mountain west they all rushed the court and getting that trophy on the court and Everything about that night was crazy. So freshman year, I mean, shoot, welcome to SDSU, right? Yep. Still gives me chills. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. Um, so we, we spoke with Kate, uh, again, just about like the pregame warmups, the dunk competition, uh, you know, half court shots, all that kind of stuff, man. What kind of energy does that bring um, to the arena and the team? I mean, if you haven't watched SCSU yet, you should know we've got some flyers on the team, and that's for sure. So um, whether that's Keyshaw, Katie getting up, Twin, Twin be doing crazy 360s, that energy just brings, you know, it's crazy energy to the fans love it, and it just gets electric in there. Um, and so I, I think we're a transition team, like Coach Dutch says, we want to get to the rim. And so when our high flyers jump, um, it's just a different energy. It's just a different vibe in that in that arena for sure. So only a couple more questions here. Uh, so Paul and I, we kind of like to call this segment Instagram stalking. So I checked out your page a little bit and I saw your car, saw your ride. Uh, you have an Instagram uh, page dedicated to your Infinity Q50, that beautiful blue color. Tell us about the car and have you always been to cars? Yeah, I'm a huge car guy. Uh, food, basketball, music, shoes and cars. And so... Uh, car is definitely one of my biggest passions. Um, 
that's my baby right there. As you see, I have a stupid Instagram for it, <laughs> but uh, I love it. I, I don't know. I get some adrenaline rush whenever I'm driving um, and, you know, just the music blasting. Oh, I love that thing. I can't believe you just brought that up. <laughs> but yeah, Q50 Reservoir, uh, it's stock right now, but I got a nice little steering wheel on it, diffuser, exhaust. I had some rims, but I threw the stock ones back on, but it's nothing crazy, but I love it for sure. I have a bunch of children, so I drive a mom van. Um, so a little, 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 little jealous, a little jealous here. <laughs> um, but also looking at your Instagram, man, there's something else that, that you, you know about that I have no idea about, which is style. Uh, <laughs> I know, this is, I know this is a voice only. Um, Tristan is looking through at me and he's nodding his head. Like, yeah, I can tell. I can tell. Um, so who has the best fashion sense on the team? Mm, that's a good question. That's a really good question. People would get swaggy in all different types of ways. Texas swaggy, the Cali swaggy. Oh, it's crazy. But uh, mm, I think I'm going to have to go with Jay Red, Jerry Barnett. He's pretty swaggy with his, with his fits, you know. I don't know if it's because that small shoe size or whatever, but it all looks good. All looks right. Fit, you know, always got the hat or something. But he's always swaggy with it. So, Jay, right? I'll give it to him. I love it. Love it. I think we're going to keep that question and keep asking people, and we'll see who's the common answer. <laughs> so, we one final question here. Um, we've we've talked about a lot here. We'd love to just. Tell us one thing we haven't mentioned yet that Aztec fans don't know about you. This could be a hobby. It could be a talent um, or just something, something interesting about you. It doesn't even have to be interesting, but something we don't know about who Tristan Broughton is. Okay. That's a good question. Hmm. Let's just say, I'm trying to think. Oh, I got a dog. I got a son. I got a son. I've had him ever since uh, freshman year of college. He's been living with me and take care of him every day. I don't know why I didn't say that. Like, hey, nice. That's crazy. But yeah, his name is Max. He's a, a mutt. Uh, I brought him home to my mom when he was, what, four weeks old? Some guy in Havasu said he was going to shoot, shoot these pups if he didn't sell them for 40 bucks. And so I picked one up. I just brought it home to my mom. Uh, and she couldn't say no. She said, it's all yours, though. You better take care of it. And so me and my brother, we don't live together in the same room, same apartment. So we'd be switching off every week. You know, I read, I get him for a week. He gets him for a week. But, yeah, that's my that's my dog right there. Maxi Poop. He's, that's he's awesome. each other for sure. That's awesome. So then the real question isn't who's the better basketball player. The real question is who does Max like better? Same answer. Same, same answer. Tristan, come on, bro. <laughs> I don't lose. No, <laughs> That's it for us, Tristan. Um, this really appreciate this. We learned so much about you and you, the perseverance in your life, um, the story about your mother. Um, and I think we learned some really cool qualities about you. Um, I think Aztec fans are really going to appreciate this podcast. Um, any final words before we close it out? Thank you, Aztec Nation. Thank you all for hosting this. Thank you for having me. Um, and yeah, go Aztec. All right. Thank you so much, Tristan. We appreciate it. Yep.
Well, that was just another tremendous interview from Tristan, Tristan Broughton. Um, thank you so much for coming on and giving us those insightful answers. Uh, really could just see how intelligent, intelligent he is, what a hard worker, um, and also lover of the game of basketball. Um, the stories with his family and his mom, um, the love for his brother and the connection they have there. Um, it was it was awesome. And I'm really glad that we were able to have him on because, I mean, we knew that we have twins on the team, but we haven't gotten to hear their stories and who they are as people. And Tristan was up first. And really, we're this was an awesome, awesome interview. Uh, what would you think, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I think that. It, we intentionally obviously requested that the non-scholarship players would be the first people that we would speak to. And the reason we did is because we wanted to set our brand. Um, we absolutely are going to have every intention of covering the, you know, most pressing Aztec content. Um, but that's not really our sweet spot. Our sweet spot is trying to allow Aztec fans insight into all of the people who are around the program. I mean, if we had our way, we're going to go beyond the players, beyond the coaches, the people who are around the program and being able to give as much of an insight as possible. And so, um, you know, having Tristan come on when he gets onto the court, anybody who listens to this will be cheering that much harder for him. Um, I mean, what an incredible story for him to, to be able to, you know, lay that out for us. Um, again, same kind of ideas we talked about last week. And I think we're going to be talking about going forward. It's a special human being who can do all the things that are necessary, um, have the self-confidence to be able to go toe to toe with people that everyone else says is better than you. Everyone else says that these scholarship players deserve what they have. And that non-scholarship players are on a tier below. And for, for him to be able to step up and say, no, you know what? I'm competing with them just the same. I can do this job of mimicking the star player on another team. I can do it well enough that I need to get into the rotation. And that's the goal. That's what I want to do. And to be unapologetic about it. And, yep. um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't know how that those kind of questions were going to go. And if, if they were going to say, you know, I'm just enjoying the ride. This is, I am on, I am a player who gets to practice and work hard with one of the top basketball programs in the country. And I am, this is it. This is what I'm enjoying doing. And then I'm going to go and become a successful business person. I'm going to use this to be, you know, that would have been a great answer, but that wasn't his answer. His answer was, I'm doing this school stuff and I'm a valedictorian and I'm going to business school entrepreneur for when the basketball stops bouncing. Yep. And I yep. intend to go on and to earn a role and do all the things I need to do. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to get in the gym and I'm going to get with the trainer and I'm going to push and I'm going to push and I'm going to push. And I would hope and imagine that there are some scholarship athletes who are listening to this because they want to hear what Tristan has to say, their friend and teammate. And when they hear that he's coming for their job, he's coming for their role. They need to work. Absolutely. And that's, that's exactly what the scout team brings at SDSU. You need guys like that. Um, Cause that's what pushes you to get better. And, and here's a guy who he's not on scholarship. So he's paying for his education. He is having to feed himself and he, I don't think he's on any sort of meal plan like the scholarship athletes 
So he tells us he's working and he's doing Uber and Instacart. Um, I mean, that just goes to show you even more who Tristan is. He's a grinder and he's always getting after it. And even if it's, if it's on the basketball court, if it's in life, um, he seems to have gotten a lot from his mom um, and just how much um, the influence that she's had on him and made him such a, a tremendous character. Um, and and it, it's, I will say at least it's Uber and Instacart, a driving job. Um, the smile on his face when we brought up his car, um, it's clearly a, that means a lot to him. Um, I'm really glad he got to share that. Um, if you haven't, please go check out uh, Tristan's Instagram and go find his, uh, his car page. Uh, I'm sure it would mean the world of him if you like some of his photos, because he does love his car with his, with his posts. Um, but, and then one other thing I wanted to mention, um, I thought it was really interesting, the answer he gave um, at the end of the games when the non-scholarship players come into the game and the team's usually up by 20 plus or so. It's completely out of reach. And here's two minutes of your shine. And we've mentioned mentioned already that the crowd's going crazy. All they want you to do is score. And if it was me, I would shoot every single time I got the ball. I mean, I, I mean, this is my opportunity. I've been, I grind in practice. I finally get an opportunity on the court. I'm taking a shot. And Tristan and Tyler both have not scored in their entire collegiate careers yet they are still so team first when they come into those games in those moments and they're focused on still having solid offense, um, not disappointing the coaches um, and still playing good basketball, getting good shots. They don't want to just jack up any looks. Um, and I thought that was great. And I thought it was also interesting that they have the spread and they have the amount, the point margin they have to win by on their heads. Um, and he said his, his line was, we know the Vegas line. Um, and all of that matters for the rankings and the Ken Palm and the, and the NET and things like that matter where you play San Jose State and you beat them by 20 with the non-scholarship players versus 11 because they gave up the lead. That, those things make a difference in the rankings. And I think that just goes to credit even more these non-scholarship players who are aware of that, where they know the game's over. They know they're going to win. But they still have to add some margin. They have to definitely keep the margin um, because even in these little games and these blowouts, they matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, so just that was even more kudos to Tristan and the entire scout team. You're, uh, we don't probably have time to get into it tonight, but I, I hate analytics. I hate statistics. I think they are absolutely ridiculous. They tell you, um, they tell you what your eyes can tell you in 15 minutes, and that's all they tell you. And to show that, or at least another for me, another really good example of how ridiculous they are is that the non-scholarship players know that what matters for them is to be able to run up the score when they're in. And that's all statistics in, in college basketball come down to. They come down to point margin and point spread. Um, and and it, it's the most ridiculous answer if it wasn't completely true. Like not only that he has the presence of mind, but he's coached. He's coached to understand that, you know, and, and think about the amount of time that he probably doesn't get on the court for fear that the, these stupid statistics are going to prevent them from making an instable tournament from being ranked a little bit higher. Um, and he has to, I mean, you, you can't go and be the one group says, well, we're just not going to care. Well, great. Then you're not going to make the NCAA tournament. You're not going to do those things. 
but just, I just thought that that was completely ridiculous. Um, I did also want to add his, um, you know, we're getting up to mother's day and, um, things of that nature. And what a powerful story for him to be able to talk about his mom and just her journey. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's wild for him to talk about. I mean, just the details that he shared that, that up until they were one, they were living in her car, um, that it was her and his brother and, you know, half of his family is with him at San Diego state, but he wanted to be close enough because he goes back and he helps his mom, how she was in a wheelchair. Then she had two crutches. Then she had one and she's working towards having none. And it's amazing that, that this is the story that he shared and that he carries her with him in all that he does. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Just, just, just moving. Um, it was, it was honestly difficult to keep going in the conversation because you're just, you're just kind of blown away with the the humanity of it. Um, and then of course, you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree because not only is he working, he's a valedictorian. He could go and say, you know what, I'm going to, this is what life is telling me I'm great at. So I'm going to go and I'm just going to pursue my education fully. But he, he chooses San Diego state because of the basketball team. And he wants to pursue that. And that means that he has to make extra money. So he doesn't have to ask his mom, who's already given him so much for all of these different things. And I think, again, it just shows how these stories need to be told. His story needs to be told. And we need to all be familiar with um, this person who just happens to be on the team that, you know, of the place that, you know, we went to school. And, and so I think it, it was, it was very powerful, very moving and the perfect, um, the perfect kind of interview to, to brand what we are hoping to do in this podcast. Well, I think Paul just summed that up really well. This is the entire reason why we do this interview interview is because we get to hear about stories like I like Tristan and Tristan said so many tremendous things that the Aztec nation could really learn about. And we'll hear from his brother, Tyler, hopefully in a couple of weeks or so. Uh, but from here, we're going to tra- uh, segue into one more topic, which is just SDSU has two trans- uh, scholarships remaining. And if Mensa returns, then there will be only one more. So really the topic at hand is what, do, what does the team do with that scholarship? And the easy answer would be they need a guard. Um, losing Trey Pulliam last season, um, losing Dinwiddie to the transfer portal, leaves a team with only Seiko and Butler as the returning guards to the program. Uh, I do believe that Trammell is a great, Darian Trammell is a great fit for the team. Uh, SDSU needed a scoring guard. Uh, They needed a guy who could defend very well. And he seems to be that guy. But I do believe that SDSU still, I think they need another guard, a scoring guard particularly. Uh, Last season, Bradley, the only player uh, scoring over double digits. Um, One more shooting guard would be, helpful, especially with a team that seems to be so big. Uh, AG returns this year. They got AG, Kashad, Ladee, Nate. Three through five seem pretty solidified. Uh, there's a lot of height there. So I still believe that a guard would be a fit. But what do you think, Paul? I mean, certainly that's been the the people who've been coming in visiting, right? Has been has been from a two guard. Um, man, I'm, I might be old school. I think that there's been a little bit of difference um, over these last five years that have formed between the way um, Steve Fisher led teams played and the way Brian Dutcher teams play. 
And I think whether it's been through necessity because of injury, preference, um, probably a combination of both, Dutcher plays smaller. And when the best Aztec teams under Fisher could offensive rebound as good as anyone in the country. And I was going through looking at North Carolina, their run in the NCAA tournament. 15 offensive rebounds, 10 offensive rebounds, 15 offensive rebounds, 14 offensive rebounds, 17 offensive rebounds, 24 offensive rebounds. Um, so I, I personally think that if they are so old, they have so much experience, that the way that shows up is on the offensive glass. And so I, I actually... I'm not completely sold on three through five and their ability to be men amongst boys and go and dominate the glass. Um, I think that Kashad Johnson is the X factor in all of this. Um, you know, talking to Dave Velasquez in our preview last year, and I was talking to him about just the NBA hype around it. He had a really interesting answer. And he, he said, that's not Kashad's fault that people were hyping him up. He's been in the gym. He understood where he was. But we are entering that place where I think it's pretty clear that he is a good four. He can play up front pretty good. But to be able to be a pro and not just, you know, a pro, but like a guy that people are paying attention to. He needs to get out on the wing. And there was a couple of times where that happened. UNLV is, is the one that pops in my head, was able to do a, a Zoom interview and ask him about that lineup. And that's what they did. They went nuts on the offensive glass. They just dominated. And, you know, man, if they want to get back to that style of play, it's, it's, it, it'll be interesting because then you could make the argument that they need one more big. Um, I, personally think that um you know and I need, i'm going to look into this and all this stuff but i think um at least the, his plan was last year um adam sago's plan was to play again in some of these international tournaments and to go and do that i think him coming back for a six year he's better than any guard that you're going to be able to bring in who's young just add just he's going to be a grown man playing the game um i think miles bird can give you minutes out there i i think that that he has that ability and so I, I think that, um, you know, there was such a drop-off when Nathan Mensa went out of the game that if they could figure out a way, maybe that's Ladie going down to the five, maybe it's Demarche Johnson, um, maybe it's Kate Alger who can come in there and, and continue to have that same identity of dominating the offensive glass. I think that might be where their team could be the best. Um, that said, I don't. I don't think Brian Dutcher agrees with me. I I I can't believe the, what you said. I want to talk about that. I'm so glad you said that. Um, that the team we don't the team doesn't do enough big lineups, and the idea that like last season Lamont and Trey are playing the one and the two, Bradley can play the two, Kashad can play the three, and you can have Ladie and Nate. I'm gonna interrupt. When I interviewed Matt Bradley in the preseason, I asked him, are you a two or are you a three? He goes, I'm absolutely a two. That's his preference. At least yep. it was yep. last year at the yep. beginning of the year. 
and he played the three the entire year. And when you go up against guys like the teams like Boise, where Boise was huge and they had four, six, seven guys, it makes our lineup so it makes the team's lineup so short. And Bradley at six, four fits better at two. And if you have a guard at the one and you could throw in Kashad the three, Ladie, Mensah four and five, Chad six, seven, Chad could play the three as well. Um, the team is built to be big. And it's, I, I actually really like what you had to say there that we could, the team could use another big. And I don't know necessarily know if Demarche is ready next year. Um, and last year, the team used, um, Tahiro and Tamayach under, under, under Nate. There's not really a bench piece uh, this season behind, behind Nate. Um, if Nate doesn't return, I don't know what they're going to do at, uh, at center. Uh, Ladie's going to be pretty much forced to play the five. He's big enough. He is. He is. Um, but I just, in terms, of, in terms of depth, the depth doesn't appear to be there. Um, Cade and DeMarche's number is going to be called a lot earlier if Nate doesn't return. Um, but I, I, I hear you with the idea that I don't think Dutcher agrees with you because Dutcher does want to play uh, more guard lineups. And I understand it, especially because it's in 2020, when there was a lineup of KJ and Malachi and Shackle would come in, those guard lineups were so good offensively that maybe Dutcher is stuck on the idea that we, the team can get back to those levels. Um, where there's that it's that type of offensive team. Um, but from what we saw the, the, what, what last season with two guards, um, Trey and Lamont, the offense just was weak. And I don't know if that's credit to not the, not the right guard in that role um, or just that that lineup might necessarily work. Um, but I do love the idea of possibly having Bradley in at, at the two a little more often. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I did ask Dutcher about about that big lineup and um, his response was was basically that if Johnson was playing on the outside, they can't run any offense. And so that goes back to um, just the offseason and the fact that if Kashad Johnson can develop into um, I mean, if, if he jump, develops a jump shot and develops some handles. Right. I mean, he has everything else that NBA teams are looking for um and i don't personally i think it becomes really a really really hard sell to say hey i'm a really athletic undersized four and i think that just like Kawhi leonard um who had to move out onto the perimeter to get the fullness of his game um you know kashad kashad's big enough to guard those players in the nba he's big enough to be out there with with the huge gigantic athletic small forwards that the NBA seems to have everywhere and every team. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that Dutcher does also like to, um, I think, aim for the ceiling, aim for his best teams. And, um, you know, I, I still think that, that Johnson out on the wing, uh, Kashad Johnson is that um, I will say though, I will add, I think that finding a way to get um, Bradley the opportunity to catch and shoot some more, and not be the person who has to facilitate. Um, let him play a little bit of that shack role where he's running off the screens and able to catch and 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 you know rise up and score. Um, 
you know, he, he's their best shooter and he just had, he just had the ball in his hands. He had to have five dribbles to be able to, to make the offense work because there was nobody else who could find him or um, be a threat in, in ways that, that would allow him to not have, you know, four eyes on him at all times. Um, and so I think that, that, that other scoring guard to be competitive with Lamont Butler, to be competitive with Darian Trammell, um, to play three of them, because it's not like you're going to be able to play one kind of lineup the entire time. Um, I, I, it is also necessary. And, you know, we, we don't know how Demarche Johnson has progressed. We, we, we really don't. And, um, you know, it's, this is, this is basketball. So young guys play young guys produce, and, you know, he, he might be the reason why you're not hearing rumors of big players because they've seen him and they know that he's developed because he's also had a year. And so that's, you know, um, I think that the way that this coaching staff has been able to put together teams, um, they get the benefit of the doubt because they've done it year in and year out with different kinds of players over and over. But um, it will be interesting to see. They've also liked to hold on. They've also liked to kind of have a scholarship in their back pocket for somebody who decides that they're going to transfer during the year. So, I mean, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways that, that they can go about it. Um, and that's the fun of the off season is getting to talk about it and imagine and dream what that could be. But um, you know, those Fisher teams, man, that could just rebound going into Kansas as grown men and dominating Joel Embiid and just offensive board, you know, JJ O'Brien, Josh Davis, Skylar Spencer, they just dominated on the glass and walked out of Kansas with a dub. And it was because they could play and win ugly. And that's a, that's a pretty good recipe. I think, especially in the NCAA tournament where they haven't had the success. Agreed. And I do think Dutcher, he's, he's, I mean, he, he definitely knows that. And I love that he is still recruiting guys like Elijah Saunders, uh, Demarche. I mean, these are big bodies that can potentially be like those old SDSU teams. And we've talked about it a lot. This team is huge. Um, so if they want to play bigger lineups, uh, they absolutely have the ability to go out and rebound and go out and dominate the glass, um, especially considering last season, they struggled to begin the year rebounding. Uh, they came, it came more, um, they f- figured it out as the year went on, but um, it was, um, it took, it took them a second, but I think this year, um, a lot of potential, a lot of potential. Um, that's all I have to say. Um, same for you. Yeah, no, that, 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 that was perfect, man. What an episode two, man. These are yeah. fun. These are yeah. fun, fun articles to write, fun, fun articles, things to learn. Um, you know, keep, keep subscribing, keep feed, giving us feedback, things you would like us to talk about questions that you would have. Um, anything like that. Um, at Padre de Quattro is, uh, my Twitter handle. Please follow our um, at SDSU Aztec Hoops. That's our podcast handle. Um, and, you know, just just say what's up and let us know what you'd like to hear. And make sure you're reading all East Village Times articles um, at EVT underscore news, their Twitter. My personal Twitter is at underscore eight Um, We're here to talk Aztec Hoops. We're here to give you guys, give the Aztec Nation a whole off season of content and that will be more podcasts such as this more articles that go along with it and we hope that all of you are enjoying enjoying what we have to give you so from that thank you so much for listening and 
Have a good one.